0: good to be here. Um, I'm going to read from uh, 1 John chapter 2. Uh, I'm I'm sort of a bit of crossover from where Rogues preached a couple of weeks back, Uh, but I I won't try and talk about exactly the same things he did. So, So 1 John chapter 2 verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what He promised us even eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from Him remains on you, and you do not need anything to teach you. sorry, you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Okay. Now, it's been a, uh, been a bit of a journey through one, John, and we've been talking about uh, really... If, actually, if we went back to the start, what, the heart of what John says is the, the most important thing in the whole world for us is fellowship with God. That's simply it. If you want to have joy in your, in your life, it will be through fellowship with God. Any other joy will be a fading joy, short time. You are made for fellowship with God, with the Father, with the Son. And of course that comes through the Spirit, which is what we're talking about today. So fellowship is actually greater than forgiveness. Do you know that? Forgiveness is important because it restores us to fellowship, but it's the means to restore us to what we, we were made for a fellowship with God. Forgiveness restores us to that. And uh, sometimes I think in, in our Western thinking, we can think that it's all about peace and joy and getting peace and joy. But even those, really, they're nothing unless we have fellowship with the Father. It's about... It, so in one sense, and of course we never ever want to be careful it's making people have laws, but all of your effort, all of your life, all of your energy is given to fellowship with God. Because that's what's happened to us. We've been restored to it through Jesus. So we were made to walk with God in the cool of the evening. That's what life's about. should stop there, shouldn't I? fellowshipping deep sharing loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength that's what that means isn't it fellowshipping with God ok so what, what we've been going through in this passage is John has been describing these are the things that will choke Like I'm, that, that's a neck I'm doing here they will choke your fellowship with God ok and he's named two things. Uh, one you did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but first, the one you did last week with uh, Rob was the world. Now, that's not, any, that's not talking about within the church. It's talking about outside the, the world comes and says, don't love the world and don't love anything in the world. And uh, when Jesus says that parable in Mark 4, he speaks of the world as kind of like these weeds that come up and they, and they, they squeeze the life out of you. Okay? that's outside, don't love the world or anything in it, because it chokes your fellowship with God, that's what it does and then he's talked about uh, two weeks ago he had the false teachers, which he calls it's really harsh isn't it, antichrist I mean yeah those who who from within the church have a false teaching about Jesus, and who don't teach you the truth about who Jesus is, and and really uh, speaks, and, and not just in this uh, in one John, but also in, in the Revelation, about the these are incredibly seductive. People actually flock to those who teach lies and distractions, and what uh, all of those say is that behind these teachers is a seductive spiritual force. It, because we sometimes wonder, why do people get drawn into weird teachings? And the answer is, because there's a very powerful force drawing them in. Okay? It sounds like the truth, but in the end, it's not the truth they're on about. It's the set of steak knives that go with it, if you know what I mean. It's, it's like, here's Jesus. Okay, let's leave Jesus behind because there's some greater blessings than Jesus. Right, And so it's not about the new falcon, which is obviously what we're going to drive in heaven. But uh, it's the set of steak knives, which will wear out. Uh, It's a very bad example. Okay. (laughs) They leave Christ out, which is a point that John makes again and again. If you read the book as a whole and just look for this point, you'll find that three quarters of the book is about this. They leave Christ out. They move past him. Yes, the cross is where, you're, that's where you start, but you leave that behind. But the cross is actually the point where fellowship is established and where fellowship is sustained. These teachers don't have the Messiah, and so what that allows is for, is for people to be choked out. Their fellowship becomes choked. Okay. So John has spoken about now what we've had over the last few weeks. He's spoken about the false teachers. He's spoken about the world. But that's not who he's writing to. He's not writing to those who left. He's writing to those who remained. And he says to them in the passage today, what is it that's caused you to remain in the truth where the others haven't? What is it that's caused you to stand firm when there's been the temptation, the seduction, the convincing lies? And the answer is quite simple. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, is what keeps Christians Christians. It's actually what makes Christians Christians. You can never talk too much about the Holy Spirit. Okay, The Holy Spirit is everything to us. If you, if you remain in Christ, it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives discernment, in the sense that we're talking about today, about the world around us. And it gives discernment about... Truth and lies within the church. So he said in verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. That's cool, isn't it? Doesn't say, and you're going to find it out later. I've got some secret knowledge to give you. And then you're going to know the truth. Because as you know, I know a whole lot more about God than you do, right? Not saying that. You know the truth. Why do you know the truth? Because the Holy Spirit's in you. I do not write this because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. The Holy Spirit is often described in the Bible as the anointing. People are anointed with the Holy Spirit, just like, a bit like the oil was poured over the people in the Old Testament. The priests, the prophets, the kings were anointed with oil. And it was a sign that the Holy Spirit was giving them everything they needed to carry out what they were going to do. Because Christian ministry is not simply about gifts and talents. Uh, Sorry, when I say gifts, I mean skills and talents. Okay? Because you could say, then the best Christian people would be those who have a lot of charisma. Those who are very gifted in singing. Those who are gifted in quick thinking. They're going to be the best apologists at university, aren't they, right? And he's saying, no, most important thing that you need is the Holy Spirit, because he is the one who takes the word of God and penetrates hearts with it and changes hearts and keeps you in the truth and keeps you alive. Do you understand that? In fact, I would say this, those who have those great skills and talents, those things actually get in the way of the truth, because... If you have this great speaker or this great singer who proclaims Christ, what do you see? You see the great speaker or the great singer. If you have the simple person, the unpresentable ones, maybe we're going to hear about tonight, that those who, those who are second rate as far as the world goes, who, who can they see? God. They, they give glory to God. It's okay for us to be normal. In fact, it's actually better. So, can you hear that? The Holy Spirit works for normal people. Hmm. Not stars. <clears throat> stars get in the way. Because it's naturally in our thinking. If only like, I don't know, you know, just pick some famous person. If only that sports star or that person, that rock singer, Jimmy Barnes becomes a Christian. He'd be able to witness to so many people. And it's like, you, you you've missed the point. Who does God call and how does he work? He works by the power of his spirit through normal people in the kingdom of God at the bottom underneath because the kingdom of God is hidden in this world. It's not in the glorious sphere of, of everything. Okay, so the Holy Spirit gives discernment. Uh, where are we up to? And everything is about the Holy Spirit. Good. Good. Without the Holy Spirit, all our work is pointless. That's why it's good to pray. We've been talking about prayer this morning. Because praying is saying, God, we can't do it. You'll have to do it. And you're going to have to do it for us. Can you be a Christian without the Holy Spirit? No. Of course, there are some who have an extra blessing of the Holy Spirit and are a lot better than the other. No, 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 no. It's funny, we actually believe that sometimes. We do. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if you say Jesus is Lord, if that's what you believe in your heart, that has been by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hear that? Okay, in Romans 8.9, Paul says this, You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, so how can you not be controlled by the sinful nature? By the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. If you haven't got the Holy Spirit working in you, you don't belong to God. Okay? And the Holy Spirit brings you to Christ. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Every Christian has all of the Holy Spirit. Except for pastors who have an extra measure. I'm still being funny, but it's not funny because, you see, it's how we think. We naturally think that a certain group of people have a bit more of the Holy Spirit, a bit more to give, a bit more power in their words. Yeah. Now, what John's pointing out here in this and a whole lot of other passages is that one of the chief ministries of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to lead us into all truth. It's not just about the... You see, because so much of the work of the Holy Spirit today is, is kind of equated with either something like the force in Star Wars or a caffeine rush. You know you, you know when you have too much coffee? And, you, oh, and you're pumping. Oh, that's the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm excited today. That's the Holy Spirit. It's not necessarily at all. You see, the Holy Spirit is not actually into that excitement. The Holy Spirit does this incredible thing, leads us into all truth. John fourteen twenty six. Jesus said, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said. So the Holy Spirit will remind us of the words of Jesus. In John sixteen thirteen, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, He, that's the Holy Spirit, will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. You see what the Holy Spirit's doing? The Holy Spirit is bringing to us a knowledge, intimate knowledge of the Father and of the Son. And he's doing it all the time. And there is no greater gift. Why? Because when you know God, you love him and you're in fellowship with him. The more you know of him, the more you love him. And the more joyful it is to walk with him in the cool of the evening. The Spirit reveals the truth about the Father and the Son. He tells us when the accusations of the evil one comes and says, you're not good enough. Gee, you've really stuffed that up. You've really made a mess. Do you ever have those times? I've had, I've had some nights within the last week where I, I had, it was like a list Given to me of every failure in ministry I've ever had, it was just, and it, and it went from one to the next to the next to the next. Before suddenly I thought, I "Wonder where this is coming from?" It took me about three hours to get there. Right? I wonder where this is coming from? God, God, just give me a bit of a hard time, give me a beat around. This comes from the evil one, doesn't it? But the Holy Spirit then comes and reminds us, "But in Christ." You're a new creation. And by the way, I'm powerfully working through you. Isn't that cool? Without the Holy Spirit, we can't know God. And without the Holy Spirit, we can't keep on knowing God. And that's what life is about for us. And without the Holy Spirit, people stray into pointless thoughts and empty doctrines. Paul says they have itching ears and they want to hear what they want to hear. What does that mean? Well, it's like the doctrine of the world. You see, what we want to do, what our itching ears want to hear is that when you become a Christian, you get to be best in the world. Do you understand? You get all worldly glory. Everybody loves you then when you're a Christian. You'll be respected by all. You have this incredible ability. You'll gain acceptance by the world. So what, what they're saying is that, you see, what, what, I'd love that. Who likes to be loved by everybody? Don't we hang out for it? I want everybody to love me. My itching ears. So if you combine that with a Christian doctrine and say, this is what God wants, by the way. He wants you to be loved by everybody. Gee, I want to go to that church. Um, I want the acceptance of the world. But what our ears want to hear is a kind of a... Yeah, oh, yeah it's, it is about Jesus. But you're going to get all of this. And that's where the, the false teaching is kind of always framed in loving the world. In a Christian sort of way. Worldly glory. Without the necessity of Christ. Jesus is our help rather than Jesus is our saviour. And Jesus holds everything together for us all the time. Okay, but understand this. He is saying here, you will not give in to this teaching. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit of truth and he will bring you into all truth and he will reveal it in you and you will not fade away and the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. Now, we need to talk about what that is. But in verse 27, he said, As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you And you do not need anyone else to teach you. Now, does that mean that we don't need anyone else to teach us? (laughs) That's the end of the sermon. Because sermons aren't necessary anymore, are they? Are they? Bible studies? Unnecessary. Yeah? Now, is this what he's saying? Now, we'll talk about this for a while. Because, um, you see... There's a whole lot of, It is a shocking thing when you become a Christian. One of the most shocking things is the diversity of the church, isn't it? Like, okay, there's got to be one view on baptism in the church, surely. <laughs> one view on predestination. Yeah? And if you, it, what, you, what you soon learn as you become a Christian is that most people have a view of certain things being essential and non essential. But some people will bring some fairly, like what day you come to church—saturday or Sunday or Friday or any other day—but it can only really be Saturday or Sunday or whatever. They'll, they'll say that is an essential; that you, that you can't give up on that, or that's not an essential. Who cares? We do it Friday night, whatever. You, you understand? Essentials and non-essentials. I'll come back to that in a minute. Okay. But what does it mean to say we don't need anyone to teach us? Firstly, I want to lay out four problems with the false teachers. The first, John warns his readers, they believe they get a direct revelation from God about who God is. They're getting it all the time. And this has been a thing in every age. Every age, every 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 just about every church has people in it who have a kind of a mystical understanding. No one teaches us we we just receive from the Holy Spirit. And so you have Churches like the Quakers, I think, who would sit in a circle quietly and just wait for God to speak. Just, we're not, no one teaches, God just speaks to us directly. Personally, no need for messengers. We don't need human teaching. And, and as I say, that arises in every age, that the Holy Spirit then naturally becomes the most important member of the Trinity in, in, in the present. But John said again and again, those who think like this will leave behind the truth of Jesus. Because no one sits in a circle and then suddenly goes, hey, Jesus came in the flesh, which you need to be a Christian. Or Jesus is the son of God. Let's talk about that for a while. What they actually do is they sit in circles and they think about themselves in a spiritual sort of way. What does God want me to do? What is he going to give me? It just becomes a very selfish Christianity. It's just, it's just natural. It's actually kind of quasi-Buddhism, really, isn't it? Anyway, okay, but personal revelation becomes everything and it never, it, Jesus always gets cast aside. That's what John says. The second thing about this, this uh, false teaching is that we judge the truth by how, how we feel about that truth and that makes predestination a lot easier. Because I know what the Bible says, but I don't like that, so we won't have that, and that's good. Um, I judge everything by my personal experience, by how it makes me feel. only problem is, John tells us, that the devil gives us feelings and experiences which feel really, really good. He's actually really good at counterfeit, counterfeit excitement. Right. Thirdly, These people, they always do this thing where they say, there's the Bible, but there's the Holy Spirit. Okay? God is greater than the Bible. Yeah? But if if that's the case, then our understanding of God comes from ourselves, doesn't it? It must. Well, it's not coming from the Bible. God is greater than the Bible, then it's the God that comes from our minds, And then who is God? Well, he's who we want him to be. That's idolatry. The fourth thing the false teachers do is they claim infallibility. Have you ever had someone say, God said this? And that's kind of like in AFL, you know that thing where you thump someone in the chest and it's called a don't argue? It's like, you can't argue with me. It's a can't argue. God said this, okay? So if you disagree with me, you're disagreeing with God. Yeah, and I'm infallible, which is really hard when Dan's infallible too and he thinks something different, but obviously he's wrong, which is naturally what we think. So John's speaking against all these people and he says, but the heart of the problem is these will always lead to leaving Jesus behind. They will put the work of the cross, the work of the resurrection, the ascended Christ will become second, secondary to Christianity. And uh, he says this, you, re- you receive the truth of the Holy, from the Holy Spirit. Okay. This is how you can tell someone's a Christian, by the way, in John. I know we did this about two months ago, but just for new people who are here today. He actually, has, he actually had about five tests. Number one, they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Number two, I've got to turn it around this way, dangerous otherwise, uh, they believe that Jesus came in the flesh. Number three, they believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Saviour. Number four, they love one another. And number five, they grow and they desire and they love righteousness and God's law. Okay? If you read through the book, you'll see them repeated again and again and again. So he's saying this. Okay? There is a true teaching. John's saying this. Can you understand what I'm saying? If you've got some people over here saying you don't need anyone to teach you and then you've got John writing to you five points which you're teaching, which they don't really need because you don't need one John if you don't need the Bible and you don't need him to teach you. So that's not what he's saying. He's saying there is a heart of teaching, which people call a fancy word, the apostolic teaching, which means the teaching that comes from the apostles. And the teaching that come from the apostles is basically what we've got in the New Testament. That is the heart of the truth of teaching. And those things you can't disagree with because they come from God and they are the foundation of everything we need. You can't lift your words above scripture. Okay, Scripture is at the heart of it all. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the Holy Spirit bears witness through the Scripture. So Ephesians 2.20 says about members of God's household are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. Okay, so you can't just hear from God apart from the prophets, the apostles, which are basically the same, the Old Testament, the New Testament... On top of Jesus Christ. Okay, next thing. John says, you will be taught all things. Does that mean all things? Or what's the all things he's talking about? Because otherwise it would just be super cool to become a Christian because you would ace every calculus exam. University is easy. You become a Christian, you know all things. Yep. That's the population of China. Exactly. Right now. You know it. Do you understand what I'm saying? He doesn't mean all things. Sorry, I'm being a bit silly there. Does it mean you will know every spiritual truth when you, become, when you receive the Holy Spirit? You will know everything there is to know about God. Well, the problem is the uh, sovereignty of God debate, isn't there? Not everyone gets the same thing. Christians don't all agree. Okay. And as I'll say it again, John wouldn't need to write a letter or you wouldn't need to have this command of Jesus go and make disciples because disciples in its simplest form means ones who are taught or ones who are willing to learn. If you know it all, you don't need to be taught, do you? And then you don't need the spiritual teaching because that would be important. Sorry, I'm talking too much here. 1 Corinthians 2.13 says this. Now this is in a passage. If you want to really hear about the work of the Holy Spirit 1 Corinthians 2 is a great passage to read through. And in verse 13, Paul says this. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept these things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, John, And John's saying the same thing. The Holy Spirit brings the truth of all you need to know about Jesus Christ. There might be... You might believe different things about the sovereignty of God and about predestination. Actually, it's okay. Do you know what I mean? Do you know in heaven, the Armenians are going to sit next door to Calvinists in technical terms. And those who met on Sundays and Saturdays, they'll be next door neighbours and they'll have cups of coffee over the fence. Except for there won't be fences in heaven. But it'll all be open. But do you understand what I'm saying? Those things don't count, but there is an all truth that is taught to us about Jesus which every Christian knows. And if it doesn't include those things about Jesus, you're not a Christian. He teaches all Christians know the forgiveness of sins, and of justification of righteousness, the central, essential doctrines. And so, I'll read back again, verse 21. He said, I do not write this to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do not know it, and because no lie comes from the truth, and immediately then says, who is the liar? It's the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. In other words, you know the truth about Jesus. Okay. The Holy Spirit brings us all we need to know about him. He is the central doctrine. He is everything we need. And those other points are kind of like hobbies for Christians. Enjoy them. But don't make him the centre. And don't ever let the centrality of Christ be stripped away and replaced with the teaching of the world. The Holy Spirit keeps us in all truth. He sustains us, he teaches, and he's constantly leading and guiding. And, you know, one of the heart of being a disciple is one of the main things of being a disciple is to be teachable, to be open to the fact that do you know what? Uh, one of my favourite scholars in the world is named, by the name of Don Carson. Do if even know Don Carson? He's, he's got bigger vocabulary than me by about 45 times. But incredible thinking. And he is one of the, the most organised evangelical scholars in the world, right? Biblical believing. But he said at least once a month you should just consider the thought that you might be wrong. In other words, question yourself. Don't be of yourself. Don't think you've got it all together. Because on a whole heap of these non-essentials, you might... Excuse me. <laughs> you might not have it all together. Okay? But on the central things you do. Every Christian does in Christ. And the Holy Spirit will keep you in that love of Christ that nothing can separate us from the love of God. In one, you know, one really simple proof that the Holy Spirit is at work in the church is the fact that there's a church. He would have died a long time ago without the Spirit, wouldn't it? Yeah. And he will bring the church home and he will continue to keep doctrine pure and Christians will know the Father and they'll know the Son and they'll walk in fellowship with the Father and the Son which is called the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's called. And the last verse of 2 Corinthians says this, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's pray. Father, I want to give you thanks for your spirit. We love him. We love that you've poured him out on us. We love the way he brings us truth. We love the way that he brings us all of the knowledge we need about your son. And Father, we just give you thanks for the hope that we have through forgiveness, through joy and peace. And Father, for the ongoing hope that you give us every day as we walk in fellowship with you. And Father, I pray that you would make us a people that are so. our greatest desire is just simply for you, to walk with you. Our greatest desire is to know you, and that we as a church walk together in that. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.